announcements about the men's meeting after service. Well, we won't have it after service. We have it now. <laughs> Amen. We have it now. Amen. But there's more to it than just, and you know, because I've been doing a lot of praying and meditating, amen, even on my fast days and so forth over these last couple of weeks. And, you know, this area that, that we're talking about, amen, we're going to be dealing with, it's not just here that I see it, but, you know, I have a responsibility here to address it. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. Amen. We're gonna, God has given me some clear direction, amen, and information to share with you, amen, so I'm praying and believing that, you know, this is a time of change, amen, so let's bow our heads and go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we come humbly into your presence, Lord, just seeking your face, Lord, and I pray right now that by your spirit, you move in this place, Lord, not the building, Lord, but the people. Lord, the, the men, the women, the children. Lord, let us hear, Lord, what you're saying unto the church. Let us perceive and grab hold. And Lord, purpose to apply your word, to be moved and corrected and directed, protected. All those things that your word brings into our lives, Lord. And we ask you right now, God, hallelujah, to help us to grow. Hallelujah that we might be more like you designed us to be as your church, Lord. Not following the patterns of the world around us, not being trapped by past mistakes and past struggles, Lord, and patterns in our lives, Lord. But, Lord, as we, we break forth from those places, Lord, to step into new horizons with you. Lord, we know that you're able right now. But we thank you right now for what you're going to do, what you're already doing. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe that God knows exactly what he's doing. Isn't that right? He is the I am. Amen. And he's moving in our lives. Amen. He's moving in our circumstances. But there's, there's an area, amen, as we... Look at how God orders and structures things, amen. All things need to come into alignment. They, they really do. And as we look at it, we see in our nation there is a meltdown taking place of the family structure. Amen. You know, like I said, it's just not here, amen. I see areas that we got to tighten it up, amen. But in, across the board in our nation there's a meltdown. Around the world there's a meltdown. But in America in particular, is probably the worst because we have so many conveniences and we have so many opportunities, amen, and, and at the same time, our nation is drawing further and further and further away from God, amen. So there's, there's something that we got to face. And when I say the family, that's the nucleus family, you know. So we, we and that, that phrase that was termed back in the 50s, meaning, you know, the father and the mother and the children in one household. That didn't include the extended family like grandparents and aunts and uncles, but the nucleus family of those in your house. Amen. And that's where the, the, the degradation and the attack and the assault is being taken place in the family. And I know that we have, with God's help, the power to grab hold of that and to bring understanding to that and to change it 
amen, for ourselves and for our environment. So I'm going to be talking to the men quite a bit, but it's just not the men, amen. It applies across the board, amen. We all have a responsibility in this. That's why I even want the children in here so they can hear and understand, you know, how it affects them as well. You know, knowledge is, is power. And the scripture lets us know that our people perish, why? For lack of knowledge. So therefore, we, we want to have the knowledge and we want to have it properly applied and understood. So as we look at it, so I ask the question, who are you? You know, when you think about it, who are you? What made you who you are? What do you value in life? Think about that. What are your hopes, your dreams, and your goals? You know, we can just continue to ask a uh, a myriad, a plethora of, of deep probing questions about what is our makeup and, and, and how did we become the person that we are. You know, and in most cases, you know, you would look and, and realize that not one, it wasn't one single event that has made us who we are. Amen. But it's been uh, 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 ongoing events through our lives, amen, that our life experience that has caused us to, to become the person that we are today. It, is, it has shaped us and molded us to become the person that we are today. Life itself, you know, has everything to do with that. But from a scientific perspective, you know, we look at these questions and we begin to say, okay. Many of these questions can be answered by beginning with what? Not your hands and your feet, but your brain. What takes place in our brain? It's amazing. I'm just going to throw some information at you. According to the University of Maine, the brain starts working from the beginning of life. Brain cells are a raw material. It's just kind of like the framework of building a house before you start putting the sheetrock and all that stuff on, and electrical wiring and all that stuff. It's the framework upon which everything is built. And that, that begins early in the child's conception, amen. So all those things, amen, that come along, you know, we begin to realize that there's some things that happen heretically, you know, because of, you know, our family line and genes and so forth. We understand DNA, you know. But again, we look at the brain, it, it, it has a basic number of neurons, amen, which means just simply nerve cells in your brain. And children are born with the with an initial arrangement of brain cells. Now we're going somewhere. Amen. So y'all hang in there. At birth, a baby's brain contains one hundred billion neurons, roughly. That's a lot of nerve cells interacting with one another. That's as many stars as there are in the Milky Way. Baby's head, brain cells, and connections. Amen. And, and the brain starts forming prenatally about three weeks after conception. So within three weeks, this brain is already starting to function. It's already starting to form. Amen. And before birth, the brain produces trillions more of neutron, neurons and synapses, which is basically the connection from cell to cell more than they'll ever need or created 
in that time frame. And during the first years of life, the brain undergoes several extraordinary changes. And think about this. Parents are part of that change. Amen? From a young age, a child's mind is like a sponge soaking up everything in its environment. Now, let's think about this. Everything in its environment. Sounds, smells, faces, light, voices, language. How many of us really had to work hard at teaching our kids how to talk? You just one day they start holding, you know, saying words. You're like, what? Did you say that? Huh? And then when they start putting sentences together, you sometimes we're amazed. You know, Lynette, well, not Lynette. Naomi was telling me the other day, she was, I'm not Myra. Bailey, trying to get it together. Got too many of them. Amen. But Bailey was fussing at her older brother. He was in her little car, her, her little stroller. She likes to sit in, and with her little self, she's saying, get out. Get out. And she knows exactly what she, you know. Her mom didn't tell her to teach her how to say, get out. But she's like, he's in my stroller. Get out. You know. They learn. They soak in things, amen. So all these things as they grow, emotions and music, you know, and I've, I've heard it said even music, the music a child listens to is very important. Amen. Because it's been proven scientific, scientifically that a child who listens to complex music, such as Beethoven and Bach, I was sharing that with my pastor Linda you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about it. You know, when they listen to, you know, that kind of music, it actually enhances their brain more than just boop, boop, boop. But it enhances them when they listen to classical music because the brain is going to, without the child's knowledge, the brain is going to start picking apart that music to see what is doing what and what instrument is doing this. So it's training their brain to look for details even as they're listening. To see, the brain is an amazing organ. Without it, we couldn't function. Without it, obviously, our body can't function. Amen. And we're still learning more and more about the brain. Amen. So as we go through the, these changes, amen, everything in, in one way or another, it impacts, you know, the complexity of who this child is becoming. Friends and education, siblings, caregivers, parents, all those that we allow to come into their environment, amen, where they live, how they live, all these things are impacting their brain more than sometimes we even stop and think about. But now when we, we ask which individuals have the most responsibility for the development, developmental years of a child's life, for most people, it's going to be mom and dad. Far above everybody else in those years before they begin to go to middle school, before they begin... All those things as they're developing, the parents have the most impact and influence on the framework of their life. Think about that. And so we think about the fact that the, the family, a man for millennia, has been a cycle. You know, a family unit. A man and a woman come together and they get married, they have children, amen, and they care for them and they teach them and they how to live. They grow up, and guess what? They get have lives of their own, they get married, and they repeat the cycle. So we stop and think about what are we passing to our children, amen, that they're passing to the following generations in our lineage. 
It's important that we stop and think about this. The cycle, amen, is quickly falling apart in our nation. Families are being broken up for many different reasons, amen, but not according to God's plan and purpose. You know, they say social experiments in the 20s and 21st century, amen, have shown that the role of parents in the child's life has come under assault. We we see, amen, the, the attack on the family, you know, just in recent years in our in this state and in our nation, across the board, the attack on God's structure for the family. Why am I giving you all this? Because I'm I want to build a foundation of where we're going. Amen. The importance of a family. Amen. I believe you're here because you love your family. Amen. And those that are single, amen, you came, I'm praying from a loving family, or one day you'll be in a position to have a loving family. And we, I think, like I said, we got to have information to understand the importance. It's just not putting food on the table and a roof over the head. Amen. There's, there's so much more, amen, that's important. Look at a few facts here. Over the last 50 years, more and more children have been growing up without their fathers. More and more. And the role of a father, simply put mathematically, in, in, in a mathematical perspective, a father is, should be contributing at least 50% of that child's growth. 50%. Amen? Of his development, or her development. But millions of children in the United States and the world at large will put their heads on the pillow tonight without one, without a father. That should sadden us. It does sadden me because I, I, I know how I feel about my kids. Amen? And I know I'm not the only one in here that feels strongly about their children. And that's the one thing that I, I've committed to, amen, is to always be there for my children. Amen. And there's men fighting for their children, but not enough men. Amen. So I'm, I'm not saying all men are all children, because we got some good men in here that you know have the same passion. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. But there's more than, to it than just being in the house. Or we going to get to that? Y'all just hold on. Amen. I want to share some national statistics with you from the U.S. Census Bureau. Raw facts. You're going to get to the raw. We in the word. Between 1991 and 2009, children living with only their mother increased from 21% to 24%. That's almost a quarter. Of 74.6 million children younger than 18 in 2011, how many years ago was that? Three years ago. 2011, 27% live with one parent. That's over a quarter. Think about this. When you see 20 kids at school or out playing, realize that five or six of them are going home without a dad. That's in 2011. Think where it is now. A report from the 2012 Census Bureau states the the following percentages for children who live with one parent, mostly single women. 
55% of black children, 31% of Hispanic children, 21% of white children, 13% of Asian children living without a father. It's sobering information. You know, as I was going and researching and looking at this, it's like, wow. There's something that the nation needs to take a look at. Over 17 million children live without a father. That last point, 17 million children living without a father figure, without the teaching, the guidance, the experience building, correction, nurturing of a father being there. 17 million children. That was two years ago, and it's increasing. An awakening situation as we begin to look at it. In 1950, like I said, the term the nuclear family was created. But by the 1960s, 80% of American children live with two parents. Today, under 70% do. That, 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 25% or 25 to 30% of our nation's children are living in single-parent homes. That's just what it is what it is. You know, but we got to make some decisions. And I'm like I said, looking at our men, you know, looking at our place and our position in the society, our responsibility. You know, some, and I'll say this, some of those single-parent homes are men. So it's not all one-sided, but the vast majority, and I can say that without equivocation, the vast majority are single mom by herself handling this thing. Clearly, the nuclear family is facing a meltdown. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, where will it end? When's it going to stop? The impact that it has on millions of minds and generation after generation getting worse and worse. You know, the Bible gives us ancient instruction for children that we're going to take a look at here. You know, but we live in a time where children's minds are turning away from their fathers against, again, millions of children do not see or live with their father. Uh, and yet, there, yeah, there's still those that are under the same roof. Hmm. But they're still without a father emotionally. Amen. Sometimes spiritually they're without a father. This is very sobering for me. You know, this is, it, helps, it helps to put a whole lot of things in perspective. Because that father can be under the same roof, amen. And, you know, sometimes work schedules get in the way. You know, but if a child is there and he's distant because father is always away because of watching TV or playing video games or involved in other things that have taken that time away from that child, you got an absentee father in the home. I ain't got time for you. I'm busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing the other thing. And I know how, personally, I know how that feels. I had an absentee father in the home. 
and that shouldn't be the case. When we stop and think about what, what is more important than spending time, you know, investing in our sons and our daughters, helping them to grow, helping them to know who they are, giving them a good example to follow. You know, so in the end, the father might be present, amen, physically, but absent emotionally, spiritually, you know, mentally. So we look at these fathers, son, children, relationships, amen, and, and they should be more than they are. And even as you listen to me this morning, I know that this wasn't going to make us jump and shout. <laughs> I already knew that, you know, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want to drive home the point of the importance importance of interaction with our children. I got adults. We have adults sitting right here right now that are still feeling the pain because they didn't have that. Still feeling the struggle because they didn't have that male and female. And if we could turn back the hands of time, you know, some of us parents, I think we could do a better job. And we really become honest with ourselves and where we are and what's going on, amen, both mother and father. Because we can get so consumed in our own life that our kids is kind of on the wayside. I fed you, I bathed you, leave me alone. You know, so who's investing in them if we're not? Who's teaching them if we're not? Who's their companion if we're not? Who's setting their values if we're not? They're going to find somebody. Because, again, that mind is a sponge, and it has to be fed. It has to be fed. It's going to find somewhere to get information beyond itself, because that's what it does. But look at Proverbs 4 and 1. Man, we get instruction from the best place in the world about this, and that's the Word of God. You like that part? Hallelujah. I just want to share a few Proverbs with us. Proverbs 4 and 1 say, Hear ye, children, the instructions of a father, and attend to no understanding. Proverbs 13 and 1. A wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Proverbs 15 and 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. When kids can get it, amen, they get it. Isn't that right? Proverbs 17 and 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Children, are y'all hearing this? for y'all too. And then we go to, back to Proverbs 6, starting at verse number 20. Hmm. It says, My son, keep thy father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. What is that? The instruction that comes from a father. 
with you, to keep you, walk with you. Amen. See, these proverbs, I mean, they're saying, okay, regarding children, how they need to listen to the father, how they need to honor their father and regard their mothers, amen. But they can't do that. I mean, it's just simply foolish to think they can do that if the father's not there. He's absent in the home or absent from the home. They can't follow instructions that they don't receive. They can't walk in the honor and in a way, amen, in things they have not been taught. So they'll get it from their homies. And they'll get it from TV. And they'll get it from the game console. Because that's the only place the instruction is coming from. But we got to ask ourselves, why isn't it coming from the source that God ordained for their life? Or we can teach them about sports, how to pass a ball, how to dribble a ball, how to swing a bat. That's not the instruction that's going to keep them. That's not the instruction that's going to walk with them through the difficulties of life. Those are, the, those are you know, I'm thinking about it, and I'm not against sports. I mean, we got some great sports people. I'll call them that, sports people. You know, we got coaches in here, amen. We got great athletes in here, amen. My son's played sports. But as I, as I was thinking about it, sometimes we, we run to the sports because we don't know what else to do. Can I just be real? You know, how many times have you heard this? I enroll my kids in sports so they can learn structure and they can learn order and they can learn obedience and they can learn how to follow and be a part of a team. How about doing that at home? So they can learn how to, you know, be a part of a team at home and they can learn instruction. But see, the problem is if we didn't receive it from our fathers, we're going to go to the default. Let's turn to the sports team. Let's turn to somebody else to help me. How about let's turn to the word of God. That's the thing that's going to give us the best instruction that to help our children to change the coming generations so that now we say we can leave a legacy that affects the generations to come because everybody is not going to be inclined to play. So we need to give them a foundation, amen, that comes from the word of God before these things. It's getting to the point, amen, and my wife, me and my wife noticed it when our boys were playing sports, amen, the, the sports team started having more and more things on Sunday. And then you got to choose between the team, the practice of the game, and, and taking your kid to church. Again, another assault on the family structure. Sometimes we don't even recognize what the enemy is trying to do. That's why I appreciated, you know, her sister Sharon while, you know, Shana was playing basketball. And, you know, she went to the KC State and played for them. Did wonderful. But as she came up through the ranks, you know, and, and she had offers here and there. But as she came up to the ranks, they stood firm on one thing. She will be at church. Unless the team was traveling out of town, she will be at church. And sometimes the coaches and everybody else got a little upset, but he said, no, we're not bending. And that didn't stop her from going all state. 
because he continued to put God first. He didn't back down. This ain't even a game. I'm missing church for practice. Huh? Hello. So we got to stop and think about that. What are we doing? Mothers and fathers, parents, you know, we, we got to recognize the responsibility that God has given us. Amen. And then I default back to the father because the father, the head of the house, the one that leads and ordains, is ordained to be the head. We got to set the standard. Amen. You know, we look at marriage. Marriage was ordained by God, wasn't it? Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. He brought Eve to Adam, and he ordained marriage, amen. So it's an institution that God ordained between a man and a woman. No doubt about it. Then the purpose of marriage, amen, we can debate that all day long, amen. But God has a plan for marriage. Yeah, we want to be happy. We want to have peace. We want to create a wonderful environment for the children, amen. But if we are not staying on the word of God, we can't accomplish that. You can get married, but if you don't have the right foundation, you can create a terrible environment to bring children into. Amen? But God can help us fix that too. Isn't that, isn't that good? Amen? So that we can teach them and we can guide them in the right way that, that the Lord would have them to go. Lord ordained this structure, amen? And this, this is what he wants, amen, but both. The husbands and the wives have distinct roles and duties which are very important in a child's life. I remember I said each one, they should be contributing at least 50%. Amen. Even if, if think about this, each one contributed 100%, where would that child be when mom is slacking or dad is slacking? He wouldn't miss out. But if we would contribute what we are given to contribute into that child's life, amen, things would be a whole lot different than they are today in the family structure. Father's role, amen, is often, you know, think about this, it's often downplayed because of our society. You know, we, we look, amen, and because there's so many absentee fathers or, or fathers that are not fulfilling the role, amen, it's almost been made to feel like the father's role in the family is ridiculous. It's put down. I mean, you watch sitcoms on TV or, or commercials where they got both the husband and the father there. And oftentimes, oh, the husband and the father, excuse me, the husband and the wife. And oftentimes they make the, the husband look like an idiot. They don't know what to do or don't know without his wife telling him he forget his head. You know, and, and they, they, they just kind of attack the, the male role in the family subtly but directly. You know, because she's the one holding down the fort, and she's the one that's got everything in order, and she's the one, you know, that's got to make sure he don't forget his lunch. Oh, here's your briefcase while you're running off. You know, oh, you forgot your pants. And it makes the man look like some idiot. And what do we do? We don't recognize what the enemy's really doing. We just laugh. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. You know? But that, again, is an assault amen, on manhood in the family structure. And it's got to be taken a whole lot more seriously than it is now. We don't want our men to be portrayed as, you know, bumbling buffoons that don't know what they're doing. Hello? So we got to watch out ultimately, amen, God has a plan for both the wife and the father in marriage. Go to Ephesians 5. We just want to take a quick look at 
what the word of God says about our place and our position as a mother or a father, a husband and a wife, amen, in this relationship that God created and ordained. Ephesians 5 and verse 23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior, savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife be subject unto her husband in everything. Everybody say everything. Oh, that, I know that rubs some people the wrong way. But that's what the word says. When we find our place, amen, and we get in our place, then it's not an issue. Amen? Because look what the next verse says. Love, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Huh? Also loved the church and gave himself for it. So if that husband is loving Christ, I mean loving the wife like Christ loves the church, then the wife would have no problem being subject. Hmm? Amen? Man, because we, 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 we love God because he loves us so much. Amen. We serve him because he loves us so much. Amen. We commit our lives to him. Why? Because he loves us so much. And how do we know that? Because he demonstrates that love. He makes that love known. He targets that love right toward us. Amen. So therefore, we know we're protected by the love. We won't be abused because of the love. So when the husband understands that premise, amen, his love will be the protection of his wife, the covering of his wife and children. And therefore, she don't have no problem because it goes on to say, and wives, honor your husband. I have no problem honoring him. So, and, and why? Because a man wants to be honored. He wants to be regarded, amen. So if she's doing her part and he's doing his part, the law of reciprocity kicks in and everybody's blessed. And the children begins to see a healthy marriage, a healthy home environment where they can grow and, and they can flourish and they can learn. And then they have a desire to reproduce that in their home. But that's not always the case. Around the globe, fathers are not taking charge. They're not leading their families as they should. The end result is children don't have Two parents in the home often. The God-ordained team has been broken up, amen, and now they have to develop their minds, and they don't know who, how to be corrected and by who to be corrected or who loves them or if they really love them. And sometimes parents, children take it on board. He left because of me. It's my fault. I did something wrong. Mama, I'm sorry. I made Daddy leave. You know, and, and these things, something think about these things, amen, that, that cause so many ripples that we don't really want to see going on in our families, in our, in our, in our homes, in, or in our culture. We, we just don't want to see that, amen. So fathers, amen, we have to begin to take responsibility. Amen. Remember I asked you, who are you? You got to know who you are. If you don't know who you are in God, you missed the question altogether. Because the world can try to define who you are. Amen. We can try to define who we are by ourselves, but that still doesn't tell us the truth. So we got to find out who are we in God. Amen. And what's this word say, amen? 
there, there's, there's many lies out there about who you are. And sometimes we bought into the lie. I'm a bum. I'll never be nothing. I'm this or I'm that. You know, but no, no, no. You're, you're a man of God. You, you've been created by him, directed by him, called by him, amen, to do something. Why? I tell the men quite often, amen, you weren't born a male by mistake. It wasn't just the X and Y chromosome that decided that. God decided which chromosome you were going to get. Because he had a purpose and a plan for you in this life. To be able to fulfill it, amen. So it's up to us to say, okay, I'm not going to buy into all this other stuff, amen. But I'm going to step up and I'm going to be who God has called me to be. You know, we, we sometimes we want to ask our children, you know, who they want to be or who they want to become. But how can we ask them that if we don't know who we're becoming? Got to ask ourselves some questions, amen. Questions are important, amen. But sometimes, you remember I, I was talking about the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, sometimes you just got to look in the mirror and talk to yourself. Uh, you, you see who you really are? Amen. This is, this is something that's very important. You have the potential to create human beings who will succeed, make right decisions, have their own happy families, amen, and reach their ultimate potential. But we've got to be able to direct them like those sure arrows that have been sent forth, amen, purpose to do the right thing. We brought them in the world, amen. And, and if we were properly rear them through our walking in responsibility, we make all the difference in the world. Mm. You know, physical possessions and riches, material things, all that's not important. All that's not permanent. Amen. Yeah, we need things to exist. But if we put those things ahead of that child, uh, ahead of that relationship, then we've missed the mark. Those things are going to fade away. You're going to buy a new car in a few more years. But what are we investing in that child? What are we investing in that individual? So, again, I'm going to share some information with you about the importance of fatherhood. Because I really want to drive this home because we got somewhere else I want to go here in a few minutes. But as a father, fatherhood, The U.S.-based National Fatherhood Institute reports that a father's involvement in a child's life affects every aspect, mental, social, physiological, and phys psychological and physical development. Father's presence in relationship in that child. And consider this. Father's children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Oh, it gets worse. Obese children are likely, more likely to live in a fatherless home than non-obese children. Children who grow up without, in a, who grow up in a fatherless home are five times more likely to be poor. Five times more likely to live below the poverty level as an adult. This one really gets me. Youths in households without an active father figure, or oh, you can be there, but are you active in their lives, have significantly higher odds of incarceration than those in two-parent families. 
I know some of y'all are identified with this one. Teenage girls in the, in the United States who grow up without a father are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity, seven times more likely to get pregnant as an adolescent. Seven times more likely. Y'all said, do we have to hear all this? Yes. We need to hear it. Our kids need to hear it because it's affecting them, helping them to see. Researchers at Columbia University found children living in a two-parent household with poor, with a poor relationship with their father. Now, he's there, but a poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs compared to teens with two-parent homes that are healthy relationships. 68% more likely to go down the wrong road. And he's there. Mm. A study of crime statistics in 39 countries, it was found that single-parent ratios were strongly connected or correlated, excuse me, with violent crime. That's all because of the father's not being involved or the father's not leading and the father's not taking full responsibility for his responsibility that God gave him when he gave him the children. Fathers should always strive to be their hero to their son. Isn't that right? I want to be just like dad. You know, I want to do whatever dad does, amen. So, but he needs to be able to look up to us as an example, a good example of, uh, of what a hero is. As we sit here and think, amen, especially our, our young boys, how many of us as men can look back and say, I saw my dad as my hero. I would hope many of us could say that. You know, as a young child, you know, oftentimes we grab hold of that, but as we get older and we begin to understand more and more things, Amen. He goes from being a hero to a villain. Hello. We want to be the hero. And we want to stay the hero. That points him to God. We don't want to be seen by our children as the villain. Amen. We, so that means we got to be a positive role model Amen. At all times in the home, for our wives, for our children, constantly. And it's a challenge. Because let's face it, man, we got our own issues. Isn't that right? Amen. And Pastor David, you really laying it on us, man. No, I'm just telling, I'm just speaking facts. I'm just speaking the truth. But we, we, we got our own issues, so how do we overcome these issues with God's help? But it's not going to happen by accident. We're just not going to stumble into being that, that strong man of God. Just wake up one day and you just feel this, you know, this shift in my What happened? You know, come on, babe, let's pray. Let's get in the Word. You know, no, it's not going to just happen by accident. We have got to pursue that kind of life as men. Amen. We've got to purposely go after what God said about us and not live out what everybody else has said about us. 
not continue to be stuck in our past failings and fallings and mistakes and shortcomings. Oh, we have them. I have them. But not be stuck. I had to choose. I'm not going to be stuck here no more. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to strive to do and be everything that God has given us to be. You know, we've, we've let down the standard and we've become comfortable. Uh, she going to fix it. She going to take care of it. She going to handle it. You know, and then we just kind of go on cruise control doing nothing. They time out for that. Father should be the problem solver in the home. Huh? Now, babe, what are we going to do about this? I, I agree having a discussion and getting the wife's input, but bottom line, lead. Because he created us to be leaders. Amen? You know, when we stop and think about it, amen, if we get, you know, in our place, in our position, things will go a whole lot smoother. It won't be as hard, amen, to, to do what we need to do. Look at Proverbs 20 with me real quick. Talk about that son. That son should be able to see his father strong, both physically strong, spiritually strong, emotionally strong. Amen? Proverbs 20 says this, 20 and 29. The glory of young men is their strength. Where do you think they get that strength from? The example they see in their father. Huh? You know, it's been often said, you know, it takes a man. <laughs> Amen. To impart how to be a man into a young man. As hard as our, our moms, wonderful moms try, they can't give you everything that a father can. No more than a father can give you what a mother gives you. That's why they need both. God's design is perfect. Amen? You know, so and without that strength, amen, our son becomes emasculated, amen. He doesn't really know who he is until he finds somebody that can impart that peace to him. A woman can never give it to him, as hard as they may try. He needed coming from a man. And on the other side, amen, think about our girls. They need your strength too. Let's just think about this. Let's just hang out there just for a minute. They need our strength, men. They really do because why? What are they going to model after? What are they going to seek after? This has been said that girls tend to marry a man who is more like their father. This kind of scary in, in one sense. This makes being a good father more crucial than meets the eye. It's not unusual for abused girls to marry abusive men. Ah, you know, she keep marrying the same pattern. Well, what was patterning in her life? What did she see? Amen? So if our father, I mean, our daughters have a, a right relationship, amen, a, a, a nurtured relationship from their father, amen, what do you think they're going to look for in a man? A man that's going to treat them as good or better than daddy did. Uh, but if all they come from is a broken relationship with their dad and they've seen a broken relationship between mom and dad, 
then that's going to be the norm. Okay, that's okay. I can accept that because that was that was acceptable. So we got we got to raise the bar. Amen. We got we got to take it higher, amen, than we have heretofore. So that now our kids have a higher goal to shoot after. Hallelujah. We got to make it harder for anybody to come in and say anything to our little girls or our little boys, amen, less than what has been put in them by mom and particularly dad. Our place, our role. Amen? We're getting there. We're getting there. So why am I going down this road? Because I want to see strong families in this place. Amen? I want to see... And uh, I, I love my family. I really do. Hanging out with most of them yesterday that are here. I just love my family. And I thank God that he did what he did in my life and in our lives when he did. So now we are seeing the result of that change in our family. And I'm praying for more change. Praying for my boys not just to grab hold of being a part of the family unit, but fully being a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, they're on board family. I mean, we, and that, that took a while. That took some work. Amen. But now my prayer is, okay, Lord, you've done this. Now let's take it to the next level. And guess what? I believe he's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. Amen. But it, it takes a, a man deciding that, you know what, I will not be a detriment to my family. And I'm not just talking even to the married men, but it even includes our single brothers. Because one day, you know, you may be a father. Maybe you already are a father. What are you doing about it? You may be a husband. What are you doing about it? How are you preparing for it now? Like jump in the water before you check it out. No. Let's prepare now, amen, to be a good father. Let's prepare now to be a good husband. Let's understand what the word of God has to say about that. But I've seen the degradation. I've seen here, and I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit. Still talking to the men. Because I've seen here, amen, the men, we rise and we fall. We get fired up and then we become almost apathetic about the things of God, about the opportunities that are presented to grow and to come together and to be challenged. And we kind of go back into our caves, you know, until someone comes dig you out. We do the minimums, the bare minimums. Amen, and, and, and oh, I'm, I'm getting by. It's all good. It don't take all that. But it, it's amazing over the years that we've talked to some of the wives here and some that are gone. Pastor Linda has talked to some of the wives. And, and it's amazing when the wife really opens up and say, he ain't all that. And I'm using my words, but this is what she's really saying is, you know, he, he sure y'all are good front, but at home. He ain't hitting on all cylinders, if I can say it like that, in many areas that you think he got it going on. What are we going to do about it? You know, as I was praying about the men and the meeting that I wanted to have, and God just kept dealing with me. I shared Pastor Linda last night what he was giving me, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, I think it's not just a meeting for the men because it involves and it affects the whole family really does. You know, so it's time for the men to rise up 
men that want to have families to rise up now. I wish I'd have had that kind of instruction and this kind of teaching before I got married. I mean, or even early in my Christian walk. I mean, I wouldn't have made some of the mistakes I made. Huh? I would, I would, I would have been farther along, amen, as a father. So where are my men of relevant example, the more men of living faith? Where are we? One, two, stand up. Oh, I'm, I'm beginning to see. I'm beginning to see some, some, some men that's willing to rise and say, I want to be or I am a man of relevant example. Y'all can have a seat because about, we're about to go down the road here a little bit further. Is that all right? So I come to challenge us today. Every man in living faith to rise to a higher personal commitment as a man of God. I'm not talking about in, living, in, in the church more than I'm talking about in your life, in your commitment, in your home. Amen, because if you do that, it'll show up in the church. It'll show up in everything else. You know, if, if we, can, we can come to all the, the functions and the meetings, amen, and, and show our face. But have we really risen up in our heart and our commitment toward God? That's what I'm praying and I'm calling for, amen. Because we as men, we're called to salvation. We're called to be the light. We're called to lead a wife. We're called to raise our children. We're called to affect our community. We're called to be kings and priests in God's kingdom. But there's everything else out there calling our name that doesn't line up with those things. Come and do this and come and do that. Hang out here and hang out there. The game console is calling us. The, the basketball court is calling us. The football field is calling us. Other women are calling us. But these are the things that we're called to. These are the things that God has called us to do and to be. And we've got to decide which call are we going to answer. We need to choose to answer his call. You know, as we were coming to the last men's meeting, I was on my way here and just praying, you know, because I like to drive and talk to God. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> I like to drive and talk to God. You know, I'm praying and, and just as I got over here by Starbucks and got ready to turn the corner, the Lord told me, have a meeting with the men. I hadn't even got to the meeting yet. I mean, to the, to the prayer meeting yet, you know. And have a meeting with all the men. I'm like, okay, God, I'll do that. And I just kind of followed it away, came to the meeting. We had prayer. And, and then as I got up to speak, you know, and Pastor Fred had begun to share some things as I was talking. He said, well, the Lord put that same thing in his spirit. We hadn't talked about the meeting at all, or about none of it. God put the same thing in his spirit, to have a meeting with all the men. And then when I said, told him to turn to the scripture, the particular scripture that God gave me for that morning, as soon as I called the scripture out, and I began to wait for the men to get there, Pastor Fred looked at me and said, no, you didn't. He said, no, you didn't. Huh? Because the very same scripture God had him reading the night before. God's saying something. 
Then all of a sudden, like, okay, Lord, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to my men's ministry leader about the men. It's time to catch it. It's time to 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 put it to work. Amen. Yeah, I mean, because we we need to become visibly active in the in the kingdom of God. Amen. So that we're out front. We're not leading from behind. You know how many of us know how hard it is to lead from behind? You ever, you ever lead a, a convoy down the highway? People following you somewhere and they all get ahead of you. They don't even know where they're going. Or they think they know where they're going. No, no. We, we, we are called to lead from behind. You know, the women, our women, our children, our community, and God is calling for us to get in position. Uh, and the burden I feel for this, is, I'm, I'm serious, is very heavy. Amen. And I feel like, you know, it's time for us to say, okay, and, you know, we cannot afford. Some of you men cannot afford to miss this. You can't afford, amen, to wait any longer, amen, because it may be too late. You might not be able to recover. God is saying something. Well, I didn't come to beat us up. I come to build us up. But in order to build us up, we got to recognize where we are. Amen. You got to know, okay, where am I? What am I starting with? Okay, and that takes a, a personal introspection for every man to really choose to say, where am I at, really? Where am I at right now? As I look at myself, as I look at my wife, as I look at my children, as I look at those around me, where am I at, really, in this leadership role as a God-fearing man? Not just as a man. I mean, anybody can fumble around there. But as a God-fearing man, where am I at really in this leadership role that he has given me? That they're waiting on me and they're depending on me and they're looking at me. And oftentimes we can make a lot of excuses. But let's get real. I say let's get real. Hmm? We have what, over six, what's that, between 65 and 70 men? 68 men on our roll that are actively here, that are around. Amen? That's, that's quite a few men. And, and most of those men are missing the opportunities that we designed to edify them for spiritual growth and enhancement, challenge, and to come together as men, iron sharpening iron. Most of us are missing those opportunities. We're too busy. We're too caught up. We're too involved. We're scheduled everywhere else. Or we're just sitting at home. I'm going to be real with it. Too many missing Sunday services and Wednesday night Bible studies, you know, men's prayer. We had an awesome, our last men's Bible study, we had five men <laughs> this past week. Five out of 68 men, five men showed up, but we still had an awesome time. Oh, my goodness, we had a good time. Huh? Five men showed up. That's counting me. Okay? Huh? Is that right? I got witnesses here. I got at least four witnesses. Huh? Hello? Our prayer meeting, you know, when I was coming, amen, out of all the 68 men, counting me, we had 13 men in the house. Say, Pastor, stop putting this on blast. No, you're putting yourself on blast. God see it. I'm just reporting the statistics. Huh? Hello? I love you. That's why I'm, I'm being honest with you, because I love you. And I come to provoke us to step up higher. And to, to get in position, amen. See, sometimes we I don't know what to do. Well, that's why we have these meetings. That's why we have these Bible studies. That's why we come together to pray. 
That's why we come together to challenge each other as men so that we can learn how to do what to do. Hello? And thank God, amen. Some of us, amen, we don't even think about coming to couples meeting. We got it together. But when I talk to the wives, <laughs> most of the people, sadly, that need to be a couple don't come. Are you leading? Check your leading. Huh? Then Wednesday night Bible study is usually about 80% women and children. Men just, we too busy on Wednesday to come. Better word. Well, God didn't come to church for this this morning. Yes, you did. You didn't come for me to stroke you and make you feel good. <laughs> that ain't gonna make you. That ain't gonna bring change in our lives. That just that just stirs up our flesh. Amen. But I come to speak to the spirit. I come to speak to men. I come to provoke you. Amen. As the scripture tells me, and provoke one another to a good work. You know, we think I looked. I looked at the the, the Jesus Walk event. I'm just this just recent stuff that y'all can identify with. Cause I can go back way back. Huh? But the Jesus Walk, we have what? How many people we got? Was there about 60? You know? Huh? 55? That's still pretty good. 55. 55 people out there lifting up Jesus. We walked all the way down here to Pioneer, across the highway 20, up 20, down here at King's You know, our signs honk if you love Jesus. We're just lifting him up, praying with people, amen, praying for the community, praying for businesses. We have five men show up. The rest, women and children. Thank God for the women and children. But I'm, 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 but I'm, I'm be honest. I'm tired of the women and children carrying things that we should be involved in as men. While we sitting back saying, it don't take all that. Well, you, you tell me what it takes. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm too dumb. I'm still trying to figure it out. It don't take, I mean, it takes something to lift up the name of the Lord, to be involved, to lead, amen, to be in position. And then finally, we get to our core team. You know, I, I saw a time when I come for the core team cleanups. Same problem exists. 80% women and children. I ain't going to clean up no church. I'm sleeping in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But we're leading. How you leading? Keep your rocks in your pocket. Because I will throw them back. <laughs> How you leave? Hey, this is Sunday morning. You shouldn't be talking. Huh? I'm the one talking to God about this church. And where he wants us to go and what he wants me to do. I come to provoke our men. So that our entire family, units, can be blessed even more. Amen? We got all kind of reasons, all kind of excuses. But I guarantee you, if I went down the road and I began to talk to most of the women in here and ask them, would you want your husband to get up and go to prayer? Would you want your husband to be involved in men's Bible study? I could probably get 100% yes. Now, I just want him to stay with me. Hallelujah. Thank you anyhow. Huh? 
Where are you, men of God? We let our issues stand in our way. We let our other less important commitments stand in our way. Lack of eternity standing in our way. God is calling us higher. God is calling us higher. Amen. And we can't continue to lead from behind. Hallelujah. We got to get up front. We got to lead like God wants. We got to get in the right position. You know, turn with me over to the book of, uh, hmm. I, didn't, I never shared with you the scripture that he gave me that Wednesday morning. <laughs> I'm going to leave y'all hanging, okay? Uh, so let me, let me give you that right quick. Amen. But it was Luke 18 and 1. Starting there. Start Luke 18 and 1 is what he gave me that morning. And he had Pastor Fred in the same place. Amen. And, and it says, he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men. And there are several other scriptures that was linked to. Thank you. Linked to that, but men ought to always pray and not faint. And then he goes on to talk about the unjust judge and the widow. Amen. Who came and worried him and worried him and worried him because he wouldn't stop praying. And he said, I don't care. I don't regard man or God. But because this woman won't leave me alone, I'm going to grant her her request. He said, men need to be praying like that for their families, for their social situations. He said, because if an unjust judge will respond, how much more will a, a just God, a loving God, respond to our request on the behalf of our families, on the behalf of our children, on the behalf of our own relationship with him? How much more will he respond to us? Oh, yeah. He's calling us out of our shortcomings. Too many men are fainting. He said we ought to pray and not faint. Too many are fainting. Amen. Too many are falling by the wayside. Amen. And, and letting other things stand in the way. You don't have to be laid out on the floor to be fainting. You done fainted spiritually a long time ago. Need some resuscitation, some, some Holy Ghost. Huh? What do they call that? Stuff they snap and put it under your nose. Smelling salt? Yeah, wake you up out of your spiritual stupor. I go to church, but that's about all I do. Huh? Come on, somebody. Man, we, we, we need to pray. We need to meditate. We need to call on God. We need to lead our family spiritually. That's what we need to do. So where are you? Where are we leading? Huh? Go to Joshua 1. I'm almost there. Hallelujah. Joshua 1. Starting at the sixth verse, amen. The Lord was talking to Joshua about his leadership ability. Sitting there, Moses had died. If y'all go back to the first verse, Moses had died. He said, okay, Moses, my servant, is dead. Huh? Huh? Time for you now to rise up. You know, you're not in your daddy's house no more. It's time for you to rise up. But he told him this. He said, be strong and of good courage for unto this people, look what he said, shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. He says, stop turning to the left. Don't turn to the right. Uh, but do what you've been commanded to do. Lead. And I love the last part because he says, you know, that I'm going to be with you. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I will be with you. Well, often, amen, we think we're doing it by ourselves and we're trying to do it by ourselves. That's why we get dismayed. And that's why we get discouraged, amen, and we get disconnected, amen. We get disjointed, amen, and the enemy just has his way because we don't stay connected. We don't pursue, amen, godly relationships, relationships with men that will hold us accountable, huh? men that will challenge us. Uh, we don't want to go because they're going to tell me I need to change. They're going to hold me accountable. They go, I, I ain't going there because every time I go there, it's something that's just, just, we need to go there. We need to come to, we need to be around godly men. We need to be challenged. I'm going to say this. You are not going to conquer yourself by yourself. You need God and you need men of God around you in order to make it happen. Now look, I'm going to say this. If I know how much I benefit from hanging out with the men, and I've been walking this walk over 35 years, but I know how much it benefits me to be around godly men. Huh? To come to these things, these, you know, for some of y'all, it's just, just another meeting. I ain't getting nothing out of it. We'll bring something to it then. You ain't getting nothing out of it. Bring something to it. Stop being so apathetic. Come and be involved. We need to grow. And if you got it together, I need you. But we need to do this. We need to make up our mind. That living faith is going to have stronger men, more committed men. Leadership ain't for sissies. Huh? Yeah, I said it. Leadership is, and, and I'm talking about leading our family, leading our children, leading our wives. That is not for sissies. That's why God made you a man, man. So you can lead. So you can stand up. You can take the blows and protect them. Cover them. Help them to be able to stand. Help them to be able to call on you and know that you know where to go. Let's face it. They know you don't always have the answer. But they also want to know that you know where to find it. Too many women got to go pray for themselves because they know you ain't going to pray anyway. Huh? Lead us, amen, to be courageous men. Thank you. Uh, to be the men that he wants us to be. So that we can lead the ones that he's given us to lead into the promised land that God wants us to lead them into. That relationship with him, amen. That safety around him. Because I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to provoke you. Hallelujah. Because I love you. I love men. God has put a passion in my heart for men. Amen. That I never thought I would have. Don't say, well, it don't sound like yes, it do. Oh, yes, it do. I can sit back and just let you crash and burn and just keep smiling at you. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Knowing you ain't doing good. No. Time to change. It's time to come around. 
time to build it up. Amen. So I'm going to tell you, as I prayed and as I meditated, I'm like, Lord, you didn't tell me to have a meeting with the men and get together with the men and do this, amen, to, to speak to the men, basically, without direction. You know, I don't want to have a meeting, just have a meeting. Huh? So what, what, what do you want me to do? And he gave me a specific course of action. Because this is not something I was thinking about and planning on or nothing. It's just like, Lord, okay, you said do this, I'm going to do this. Hallelujah. How many men want to rise up? Can I see a show of hands, please? Just want to rise up. You know, I know. I, know, I, I, want, I want more. Amen. So it, it's going to take making a, a commitment. Amen. So before I, I share this with you, I want you to watch this clip. Y'all got my clip ready? Huh? I got, a, I got a video clip, a little two-minute clip, amen. I want us to watch, amen. Then I'm going to explain to you exactly what God has given me to do based on this. Amen. Whenever they get it up. Hallelujah. You want to maximize that? Man. That's it. Lights. This is the challenge. And it's a challenge. It's a call to action for our men. And the Lord has put it in my spirit to lead the men through an eight-week Bible study. Eight-week course based on the resolution for men. This book, based on the movie Courageous, and I'm not, I'm not, 
Don't play with it. Because what God has put in my spirit to do, I'm going to do. And I'm not going to wait. Because I've been praying about it. Just, like I said, just going before God. And it's going to take a commitment. So I'm challenging as men to accept the challenge. To make the commitment. Because it's going to encompass reading this book maybe about 25 or 30 pages a week. And then coming together at the end of the week to review what we've gone over over the next eight weeks. Time that we'll be coming together will be Saturday evening when most men are free. Saturday evenings from 6.30 to 8 right here. I want to see the men. Got a week to order the books, get them in, and we're going to start digging so that we can Take it to the next level. Okay? Now, as we do this, I know it's a challenge. Pastor Dave, how are you just going to spring this on us without no proper, no prior notice? You know what? When God say do something, I don't need prior notice. I want you to consider this. For the sake of your wives, for the sake of your families. As we pray for that young man this morning, they have to make some adjustments that didn't didn't plan on making immediately. They have to change work schedules and everything else to be by their son's side because of tragedy. And tragedy can hit any one of our homes at any time, and we will make the adjustment. I'm asking you to make an adjustment before tragedy hits. To come and be a part of this study. To encourage one another. Men sharpening one another. Holding one another accountable. Growing together. See, we want to holler out when something comes. How are we doing to be proactive instead of reactive? Oh, I know you might have to shift some things. i got to shift some things. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I've already decided and resolved in my mind I'm going to do it. And unbeknownst to me, when he gave it to me, and I'm, I'm looking at the planning, I'm looking at the schedule, say, Lord, your, your, your timing is perfect because, see, the ninth week is going to be the family conference. Now, we finish the eight weeks, we go into the family conference that ninth Saturday that we're going to be here as a church. We'll be at the family conference. The family conference theme is healing family. How can you heal the family if you can't heal the man? So on that Saturday, we're going to have a ceremony in here. And every man that's willing to accept the challenge will have his opportunity to come, stand with his man, with his family, make the commitment before God, his church, and his family, and we will sign that resolution for every man that's willing to make a commitment. It's time for action. It's time for change. 
time out for talking, time out for everything else that's going on and say, you know what? I'm going to lead my family. But I need some instruction. And that's what the eight weeks is for as we go through all the principles in this book about how it, what it means to rise up and be courageous in every area of our lives as husbands, as fathers, as men of God, as men in our community. Oh, we're going to begin. We're going to do what God said do. If i got to be here by myself, and I know that ain't going to happen. huh? But we're going to do it. And I invite every man, I challenge every man to take the challenge, to step up, and to be the man that God wants us to be even more. Oh, we've come somewhere, but now is the time to bring a, a focus on this area like never before. I've been praying about the men. I've been grieved in areas concerning our men. And God said, this is how we can turn it around. We can change. So I'm asking, where are the men that will stand with me, that will go all the way, that will make a commitment? Where are you? Hallelujah. If you're here, I already made out a schedule for you, amen. So you come up here, get one of these schedules, how we're going to do this, the dates and the times. And as we get your books, it's going to cost you about $20 to order the book and, and get the resolution certificate. $5. Huh? Kobo, you're going to order, but see, the package, you get the certificate and the book. You know, so if you, and you can also download, download the book online for those of us who like to have it electronically. But we're going to work out all those details so that when the time comes, we're going to have our study right here. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to dig into this information. We're going to rise up as men, hallelujah, in order to move forward and do what God has given me for us as men to do. I thank God for the men that's standing up here. And I wouldn't want to be the man that's still in my seat. I would not want to be the man that's still in my seat when all these other men are standing for their families and like, I'm going to do it my way. Hallelujah. Time for the men to rise. What do y'all think about this, women? See, I know our women and our children, they're waiting for the men to rise up. They're longing for the men to rise up. They're longing for the men to step in. And we're going to make it happen. And I know some of y'all got schedules that mean you can't, can't be here. And I'm praying, amen, if you can't be here, let me know personally that you can't make one of the meetings. Do me that much courtesy. Because I don't want us to make a commitment this morning and then not show up the rest of the time. Because the commitment, I'm going to tell you this, the commitment is not unto me. I hope you're not up here for me. But the commitment is unto God. The commitment is for your personal growth and enhancement. The commitment is for your families. That's what it's about. Not about Pastor David. Huh? And it's never too late to step up. So this is a time for us to turn the tide 
in this church as men of relevant example, as men of resolve. So while you're here, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to be done. I'm going to pray that God will give us the tenacity, the focus, and the press to do everything that I've been talking about this morning. We know the challenges are there. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for who you are, first and foremost. We give you honor and we give you glory. We magnify your name above every name. And, Lord, I thank you for these men who've accepted the challenge. I thank you, Lord, for them coming out of their seats, Lord, not being afraid, not being ashamed, Lord, not, not being held back by anything. But I thank you for their commitment to accept the challenge, to rise up to be the priest of their homes, to rise up to be the example to their children, to rise up, Lord, to be an example in our community, to rise up, hallelujah, and live according to everything that you've put in them to live. Lord, we, by coming, we admit we don't know it all. We admit that we don't have it all. But, God, we come because we desire more. We come, Lord, because we want to sever the ties that have held us back in any area of our walk as a man before you. We cast down the devices. We cast down the lies. We cast down the things of the adversary that would try to get in the way. We move every stumbling block out of the way right now. And we make a commitment one to another that we will stand. We will press. And we will rise, Lord, to walk as resolute men as men of relevant example in this place and beyond for the glory of your kingdom. We thank you and we magnify you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.